Plug. I'm your host, Aquel Jackson. And today's guest joining the show is Crystal Langhorn. She spent 13 years in the WNBA. She's a two-time All-Star, two-time champion. She's a gold medalist. She's a national champion. The list goes on and on and on. So, Crystal, thank you so much with your busy schedule to be here and talk about your journey. No, thank you for having me, Duquel. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So let's start. I want to start from the very beginning. Before we get into all the great things you're doing now in the league and all the accolades you had playing the game from high school to college and then the pros, first of all, when was basketball introduced to you and at what age? Let's start there. Um, I started playing basketball later than most people. So, Is that um, right? yeah, I didn't start playing until junior high. I was in eighth grade. Um, so I was like 13 at the time. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You started playing when you were like 13? In yeah. my mind, in my mind, I thought someone like you that was so talented started playing when they were like four or five years old. Okay, okay, go go ahead, go ahead. I didn't okay. mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, 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 you did. So um, yeah, I played like softball in junior high, and then I was tall, and my brothers played basketball um in high school and everything my one brother was playing in college so I was like let me try out basketball see what it's about and then I like fell in love with it and it just um I just kind of had a knack I mean I was way behind of course like I didn't even know how to form my body to do a layup um I was like I don't know how to do yeah I was like wow yeah so I had like a lot of repetition to to get where I am today that wow wow that that's amazing because when I started playing the game I started playing when I was seven years old up until age of 33 I never that was like that that having that experience my football IQ just kind of it it kind of balanced things out once I played with guys that were much taller faster stronger and all those things but you started at a very late age that so that's considered yeah right so that's considered late nowadays right Extremely. Oh I mean, kids are playing when they're five. Like you said, I mean, sometimes even before that, people are putting a ball in their hands when they're four, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I got to. So, so how did you make the huge? So you're in middle school when you start playing. Is that what you said? Middle school? Yeah. So was that like, obviously, you were, you were tall for your age, but like you can be tall and have no skills. Like what type of time did you put in and who were some of those people to help you develop into ultimately getting to Maryland, I would say? Yeah, I would say um, like my AAU coaches, I played for the Borough Blitz, I played for the Philly Bills. It was like a lot of skill work. So um, when I first started playing, like I was tall, like I said, I just kind of had a knack for rebounding. I could finish, but like my footwork and everything, I just had a lot to work on, my shooting form, things like that. So uh, yeah, it was just like my AAU coaches. I remember my high school coach's dad, um, Guy Fowler, his father, may he rest in peace, but he worked on he worked with me a lot on like hook shots, moves, things like that. And then when I was playing with the Bells, it was just a lot of like repetition of like footwork, um, you know, getting around people, things like that. And I just, you know, and I was always in the gym too. That was another thing. I was always in the Damn. gym. So yeah, I just kind of developed. Yo, that's blowing my mind. That's blowing my <laughs> mind. I had in my mind, I had a bunch of these questions about when you were like four or five and all. And now you just blew my mind with that. I did not know. There's only there's been a handful of guys I've played with in the league to have long careers that started like high school and and junior high. That to me was always late, but clearly, I mean, I guess I see 
how I guess I kind of see it now how you used to dominate the paint in college. Like to me, you play like bully ball. No one could could bang with you in that paint. And rebounding, uh, whether it was scoring, no one could you were in the league of your own. So so coming out of high school, obviously, you know, you start playing in middle school and you keep developing and develop at what moment did you realize like, oh shit, like I'm actually pretty good at this. This is not just a hobby. I can like go on to play collegiate basketball. Um, I would say I guess when they were able to send letters, because I was getting like so many letters and it was just kind yeah. of like I was even when I went to my other AAU team, um, they kind of like, you know, pulled me in. Did you believe it? Did you believe it at that point? Because I, I remember just going back, we get your first letter. I was like, ah, is this real? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't know. You never been through it. Yeah, I would say um, at first you're like, am I this good? And then once people are like sending you letters, you're going to like the All-American camps, like all these top camps once you like the AU team, they kind of pulled me from my other AU team. Like we, you have to play on this team as the best team in the area. Like mm -hmm. once I started seeing things like that, I was like, okay, I'm like, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're pretty good. <laughs> were, were, you, <laughs> right. were you the best in your state? When you were coming out, um, were you one of those people like top in there? Yeah, you know, I was you, like mid level. No, I was one of the top um, in Jersey. We had some talented players, though. We had, uh, you know, some other guards who went to Rutgers and things like that. But I was um, I was New Jersey player of the year. So I was probably considered the top player. Um, yes, coming yeah. High school. Man, uh, man. That, that just, yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously you have a ton of ton of. Um, options to go play Maryland go play Maryland and other colleges like why why Maryland how, how did how the heck did Brenda oh no you know what before you answer that question let me go back something else yes. just popped in my head uh -huh. so when you were going through the you know you getting all these offers and you realize that you can play like who are some of those athletes or WNBA players that you kind of modeled your game around or that you kind of because it's because I in my mind I thought you had started very early playing the game. So in my mind, because the WNBA is only 26 years old and I'm not trying to date you or anything like that, but mm -hmm. at some point there was no imagery. There was no reference to say, Hey, I want to be like her and mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to work as hard as I did. So were there anyone like that, that you could remember during those times? Like, okay, she's there. I can do it. Yeah. I would say like, I always tell people, like, I didn't have like a huge basketball role model that I was looking uh, towards mm -hmm. just because of those reasons. But like when I really got into basketball and um, I was playing in college and things like that, I would say Lisa Leslie, she was a post player, um, very mm -hmm. good. Um, you know, she was just kind of the, the prototype. So I kind of looked yeah. at her. Um, but for the most part, I didn't have like growing up this idol that I, I was just trying to kind of be my best self. That's crazy. That that's that's that. I mean, it's not crazy, but it is because I keep referencing what you're saying as opposed to my experience. From the moment I was introduced to football, I knew exactly who I wanted to be. I want to be like him, 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 him. There was all these different examples of me playing the game and seeing someone actually doing it. So that's how my family used to motivate me. You want to be like Derrick Brooks. You want to be like Ray Lewis. This is what you have to do. So it was very easy in that sense. But okay, so now let's catch back up to so now you're in high school where you're getting all these letters and you're trying to decide on where to go. You're the uh, player of the year in your state. And, and I think I'm a year, just a year ahead of you. You're behind, wait, something like that. 
Yeah, I was there in 2003. Got there in 2003. But anyway, okay. um, <laughs> I didn't know when you got, before you guys showed up to Maryland, like Maryland basketball was just, it was an afterthought. I hate to say, like no one really gave it any, any legs, any credibility. Now all of a sudden you show up. Uh, who else was there? Uh, man, there was so many gals. My mind is slipping me right now. But how did you make that decision on choosing Maryland out of all the options that you had coming out? Yeah. So um, a lot of people told me I was making a mistake going to Maryland. So like you said, <laughs> mm-hmm. Maryland, yeah, Maryland had they were going through a rough patch. They just hired Brenda Freeze to kind of rejuvenate the program. And like, I remember her, she was at Minnesota before and she changed that program around pretty quick at Minnesota. Mm, and then she yeah. came to Maryland. And so I was just kind of like, it, was, it wasn't too far from home. Uh, the academics were good. And then when I went to True. campus, like, I was just like- It's a this beautiful campus. Fits. Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. like, I just really like it here. I know they're not that great, but I felt like, I really felt like Brenda was gonna change the program around. Right. Like I said, coaches were just like, you're making a mistake. Even everyone was just like, you know, if you're, you should be going to one of those big schools. I'm not going to be naming them, but we all know who they are. Like people are like, how are right. you going to turn that school? How are you going to wow. turn on this coach go to Maryland? It was like, uh, um, at the time, it was, it was a crazy decision when I think back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a hard decision to make as a young person. It's the hardest yeah. decision you'll ever have to make. And and especially at your time when you were coming out, we know the powerhouse schools that we're not going to name the names, but like that was a hard, I don't know how the heck you didn't end up at one of these schools. <laughs> that So Brenda must have really had a great just energy about her, selling point. And I'm sure, you know, once you, you decided to come on, then everyone else kind of started. So how did, do you remember any of that? How, you know, was there anyone else that you recognized as a player? It was like, oh, she's there, so I have to give give this a second second chance, a uh, second look at. It. Yeah, I remember um, me and Laura Harper. We were the same year, and um, we had both decided to go. So we were two big recruits that we were supposed to go to, to another school. We went there, and then um, Shay Duran was there already. Um, okay. Yeah. And then. So when we went there, I remember Marissa was just like, oh, and Marissa Coleman was yeah, a Marissa. Maryland girl. So she was like, oh, we they're going to be good. So Marissa right, came, right. Oliver came, like, okay, we got some post players. Yeah. And we just all, it was just like the perfect storm of us all being like, you know, this yeah. works. And, um, you know, it's really wild to like look back and see, um, how we changed the program around. Oh, yeah. yeah it just, just to be a part of that, man, just anytime I know this past year, the both of us, we were inducted to Maryland's hall of fame. So congrats again on that. And it was good to, uh, it was good to kind of relive some of those old moments and, and uh, just see just how each player impacted their own individual sports and the people around them. So that, that was cool. Congrats again to that. So, for those who don't know, who lived under the rock for the last umpteen amount of years, you guys obviously won a national championship. And like you said, you guys really changed the landscape of what Maryland basketball was all about. You know, the football team wasn't playing all that well, but like you guys were like the staple. And I still followed a ton of you guys once you left Maryland and played in the WNBA. So I want to, so obviously you end up being a six overall pick in your backyard. 
pretty much being at Maryland. What was that transition like for you? Because before you answer that question, I know I have a take on it because if I had gotten drafted anywhere close by where I went to school when I played at Maryland here, it would have been the hardest thing I would have to have to, to navigate. So let me hear from your word. What was that transition like for you? I would say off the court, it was fine. Like the, it wasn't bad with me being in the area. Like I was, I mean, I went all right. don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, um, you know, that adjustment was fine. Like it was nice still being in the area. My friends were here. Right. Um, you know, obviously my college teammates, but the biggest transition for me was on the court. Like I had, my first year in the league was hard. Um, yeah. I didn't know, because at that point, I was, like, kind of undersized. Like, I was more back to the basket. Um, right. It was, I was too small, essentially, to play the way I played in college. Like, I couldn't debo mm. people anymore in the league. Like, I'm like, <laughs> right. everybody's big. These grown women in this league. Like, right. big. Everyone's fast. Right. Um, so my first year, it was tough. I was I was like, I don't know if uh, playing professional sports <laughs> Um, right. but, yeah, so the, it was a tough transition for me. So did you have that uh hit that roadblock once you got to Maryland? If I can go back for a second, just you being the top in your school, was there was there an adjustment period when you got to Maryland? Like, oh man, like everyone's good. How do I work through it? Was it something similar, like similar territory when you get to the league? It's like, you know what? Everyone doubts themselves, like, you know, but you you stay you stay the course, you stick to the process, and obviously things worked out for you. Yeah, for college, I kind of had a – my transition wasn't too bad. I adjusted mm-hmm. pretty well to college, um, okay. but the league was was a different beast. Like, that was mm-hmm. – because you have to think, like, you know, in the league, it's like not just the top from four years. It's like people right. over a span of 15 years, you have the maybe top six players from every class. Like, I think people don't think <laughs> right. You know, mm-hmm. at least for our league, because we're so small. So it's like the cream of the crop. And you right. and the fact that like the WNBA hasn't been televised, like sometimes you won't even know who some of these players are. And they're gonna yeah. you know, they gonna give you buckets. <laughs> so like, <laughs> right, you're right. like it's a big track. And that's what I always try to tell the young uh, kids. Like it's not yeah. you know, it's it's definitely different. But yeah, going into league, it was it was hard for me at first. Yeah, well, as you seem to figure it out because your second year you won most improved player given by the WNBA. So clearly, whatever that Debo mentality was in college, you transitioned and you created some of this. What, so what was the biggest jump from year one to year two? Yeah, I would say um, – so a lot of people don't know WNBA players in the offseason, we go overseas. Mm. So that's where we make the bulk of our income. So after my rookie year, I went to play in Lithuania. And I had this coach and I was always working on my jump shot. And he was like, just shoot it. Like, he was like, you're always working on it in practice. Just shoot it in the games. Right. right. So that opened up everything for me. Just being able to space the floor. I started facing up more. And then the next year I came back and everyone was like, oh, (laughs) who is this? He that that. Going to Lithuania, like saved my WNBA career because it was like, yes, it was. Um, it did because if I wasn't there, who knows where my career would have went. I might have been in the league for like three years and it might have been out. So like me changing my game, him kind of pushing me to go to that next level. Like he's like, you always work on it. Just shoot it. I can't right. do it. It's Lithuanian accent. But um, <laughs> so that for me was like my biggest that that changed the game for me. Yeah, that that's awesome. So 
speaking of playing overseas, you played 13 seasons. Of those 13 seasons, I hope everyone understands that's listening to this. You were a sixth overall pick of the draft. And after your first year, like you mentioned, the bulk of your pay comes from overseas. And there's there's many questions I want to get to about this. But the first one is how many years did you spend overseas of those 13 years? Yeah. So um, I would probably say because some years I was just there for like half the year. But mm. for the most part, like I was half overseas. year, year. Yeah. Yeah. Half year. Hunter, what'd you say? I said it doesn't matter if you went overseas, you're overseas. Whether it was yeah, half so, or four year, in my opinion. Right. So pretty much it was every year until wow. okay, um, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, before my last before the 2020 season, and the year before that, I didn't go. So I was pretty much overseas for eleven years. Oh my god. So there was no there was no off season for you. That was your off season was planned. So yeah. give me give me an example of so the WNBA season starts in March, right? It starts, I would say camp is like mid mid April and then okay, games mid- And so when does the season okay, when does the season begin versus when the season start uh, stops and when do you pick back up if you were to do if you were to give me a calendar of mm-hmm. WNBA to uh playing overseas. That sounds like year round of playing. It is year round playing. So like let's say I'm playing in a country like I played in Turkey before. Like let's say I'm, or, or let's even do Spain. Spain, the season goes really long. So like their season just ended. Like I think players just came back last week, right? So yeah, it's it's wild. So like we have players coming in late to the season. Like they missed like two or three games because they were playing overseas. And then they come into the WNBA season. I mean, you're already beat down. I mean, that's something the league's trying to change as well. So, like, I can go into that a little bit later about how we're changing that as well. But I want to, yeah, let's talk about it because that, yeah. to me, that's that that doesn't make any for yeah. you guys are just as talented as you're the best. The, you're the best of the best, and mm-hmm. the way the the NILs are set up now with collegiate athletes. The WNBA should not be behind a college kid making able to make a million dollars off the court mm-hmm. when and this is I'm about to get on my soapbox for a minute because this is the part of the WNBA that kind of irked me a bit that I didn't know about. They, the pay salary is obviously we can talk for hours about you guys aren't paid enough. Clearly, the the the, the, the disparity between the NBA and the WNBA is a joke. And I'll say that. And you don't have to. I know you work for a team now, so I'll I'll, I'll let you off the hook on that one. <laughs> but um, I want to make sure I stay on track here because there's a lot going through my mind. <laughs> how the how the heck did you you women stay healthy? Like how that to me is your number one priority as a professional athlete is health. When you're playing year around basketball and the competition is you know, subpar is there's a ton of parity in each league. I'm surprised y'all don't burn out after two or three years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we do it. Honestly, the way we're playing year round, um, you just got to take care of your body. If you like you're young, you can kind of get away with uh, things, but it's quick. Like you have to make sure you take care of your body. 
um, or you'll have injuries. Um, I mean, I know some players are electing to not go overseas and kind of rest their body, just work on their games. But, you know, then you also you're also missing out on like a, you know, a, a patron as well. <laughs> so, right. Right. Money. So it just kind of depends. But um, for us, it was just it was the grind. Like, so you go. You might come into, you might miss like the first week of training camp because you just came from overseas. Like, let's say that was my situation. So team, teams would, teams are aware, like when you come back to WNBA, they'll give you like a breather, breathing yes. period. And then it's okay. Okay. Yes. So like, um, you know, they'll give you like a week off if you just came back before a training camp. But like, let's say you come back so late and y'all have games. Some teams might make you play in like two days, three days, like coming back because, um, you know, they need you for this game. They're like, we'll rest you, but we'll rest you after, but we need you for these games. So why would a player um show up late because they played in a championship or based on yes. where you are, like, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, you're in a championship it. overseas. So some countries go longer, like Turkey, Spain, their seasons are longer. So you will come into camp late if you made it to the championship round. So like I mean, last week there was probably twelve WNBA players that came in late. Um, and we the season already started, but they were missing games because they were in the championship rounds overseas. Um, and there oh was my gosh. Yeah. that's a lot. That's a big toll on your body. And it brings me to this other point that uh, I want to touch on and just get your opinion about. So there was a so one of my producers here, his name is Tone, and he's a huge WNBA fan. Like he's probably listening right now just with the biggest smile on his face and he was giving me all these stats i'm like i know crystal like i i got it i got it leave me alone but uh, he has two daughters that are uh, playing basketball and they're into it or what have you and he gave me a lot of uh knowledge on it as well about this next uh issue i'm gonna bring up not issue but i guess it is an issue so i was watching this docu-series or documentary on it's called unrestricted and I think it was based on Chelsea Gray, her free agency period. And it brought light to her experience where I thought was unique in a sense. She was taking a flight to a team and they sent for her to fly first class. They showed her around. She had a chance to meet the front office, kind of get a uh, idea of where she would live, kind of get a you know, she got a tour through the facility and what have you. And I, what I took away from that docu uh, um, document or docu uh, documentary, I can't even speak, was the fact that it was unusual. It wasn't like standard procedure. Have you had similar experience when you were a free agent, free agent when you left Washington after, what, six seasons to go on your free agent tour? What was that experience like for you? You know, it's it's crazy because my situation was actually very different because I was I was traded to Seattle and then traded. I was like kind of poured. I had that so I was never really like I was never a free agent until towards like mm. the end of my career and I just mm -hmm. resigned with Seattle. But I do know um now teams are making like it, it wasn't a thing before to be flying players out free agency. It was just like you were just talking with teams. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, wait. I got to bring that point up. I got to wait, wait. It, it was not commonplace for a free agent to be flown out to the respective team that wanted them to play for them and be courted. And that wasn't standard practice. Is that what you're saying? I could be wrong. I don't want to say like it was for sure, but I think it was more so. The fact, the fact that you can't come out and say, of course, like, 
yeah, you answered my question without, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Oh, man. So with, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the NFL, there was teams will fly you out. If you're a free agent, every team is like expected. It's like standard procedure for a team to fly you out. You have dinner with the head coach. You meet with your position coach, et cetera, et cetera. You meet with a real estate agent. You're there for a weekend. They really court, they really court you. And they really, it's like walking around whatever city with a bullseye on your chest because everyone wants you to be there. So it makes you feel good. It feels like college all over again. And yeah, the fact that, you know, I think the WNBA has a long way to to, to go to get to that point. Uh, I just found it so, it was disturbing for me. And I, will, I will say I'll give the league a pass somewhat because players are usually overseas playing. So we are usually when you're doing a free agent, you're probably in Europe somewhere. Like, so that's true. That's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, but I know I've heard teams are doing it now. But yeah, before it was just kind of like you just kind of talk through the teams. And before, honestly, with the league, the way it was set up, our former our, our old CBA was. Now we have a lot of player movement, but like let's say, well, since we're talking Chelsea Gray, like in the old CBA, she probably probably would have just been like had the franchise tag because our salaries were like all very similar. It was very player movement wasn't where it is now. Like she Got probably it. just would have resigned with LA or something like that. Um, unless Got she it. was truly, truly unhappy. But now with the new CBA, how there's much more variations in the salaries. Now you have greater player movement, but right. in the past it wasn't like stars pretty much stay with their teams uh, for the most part. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear you say like the, the league is making some sort of an effort to change to, you know, to, to improve the game. And speaking of that, I, I read something earlier this year about there was like a $75 million grant towards expanding the game globally and, and, and expanding the reach for everyone to capitalize. So that, that's great. So uh, let's go back. I still want to stay in this basketball place for a little bit. So you spent six, you were with the Washington Mystics for six seasons. Is that right? Six seasons, yep. Mm-hmm. Six, six seasons, you get traded. Uh, what was that like? Because, listen, you had you, you 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 played on a rookie deal. You had just signed a new extension, and what? Maybe like a year or two later, you're you're being traded off. Do you remember the feeling? Was it a mutual trade? Like, what does that look like from your standpoint? No, it was um it was difficult. I found out. I got a text. I was watching a draft, and I got a text. From the GM, yeah, like I had tweeted out to a mist, uh, some of the Mystics drafted, like, oh, like, welcome to the team, blah, blah, blah. Then I got to yeah, and then Ooh. I was being traded. So um, I kind of knew somewhat, we had a new coach, and I could kind of mm. tell, like, that that year, I was just like, this doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. So I didn't think I was going to be traded, so I was shocked. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of had PTSD yeah. watching the draft. Like, I always felt uncomfortable watching the draft because I was like, oh, right, right. Someone might just call me and be like, you're being, you know, moved. So, um, yeah, my first year in Seattle, it was hard. Um, it was, you know, I was traded. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. New city, new everything. Yeah, you know, I'm in a whole yeah. new place. I'm across the country in Seattle. Um it was it was a difficult. It was honestly, other than my rookie year, it was my most difficult year in the league. Mm, mm. So you get there, and you guys obviously, I think 
so you guys have a star studded Sue Bird was there at the time. Sue Bird up? was it, it was weird because Sue Bird was still there, but Lauren Jackson, like the main star, she was Lauren out. Jackson. And then I remember they were just like making it seem like I was gonna be her. I'm like, I'm not Lauren Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna bring that up. I'm like, what was that like? You gotta, you know, all the all the articles I read were talking about you replacing stepping in for a Hall of Famer. Like yeah. that's a whole added pressure on top of yeah. being traded. You don't know the city you're in all that well. You're trying to get acclimated to new teammates and that's a that's a lot of pressure like how did you deal with all of that from a mental standpoint um yeah it was hard just because i mean i don't know if like you know lauren jackson i don't think a lot of people have seen her play but she was one of mm. the argue, arguably one of the best the best player to ever play in the WNBA. So I'm like, I'm not her, so I'm wow. with that. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm I'm decent. I was all, I'm not her. Right. Like, and it was right. just kind of uh, <laughs> it was it was tough. Like I like I said, that year was hard. Like I was just trying to push through, kind of do my best. Um, right. but it was right. definitely an adjustment, just a whole new system and like it was like I got traded, so I we had strong personalities on that team. And that's just been traded. So I didn't really want to get into it anyway. It was just mm. like a weird vibe. Mm. It was like I was kind of a rookie all over again because I was learning a system, mm. but I wasn't, I wasn't young. Like it was just, right, right. It was right. like a lot going on that I just yeah. didn't enjoy that year at all. Oh, man. Yeah. That that brings up some, some old memories, man. Like I, I just remember that. That's a huge, every day is different. Every day you don't know what to expect. When I got released from Cleveland, Hell, I think it was 2014 season. And when I was, I finally decided I was going to Indianapolis and just walking in the building. You're right. It's like, you're, you're a veteran at that point, but like, it's like you're a rookie all over again because you have to learn the system and you have to spend more time with the coach and people are looking at you. Like you're going to be asking you questions and you need to know them. And so you have this added pressure of one, you want to prove that the team that traded you or released you made a mistake. And then all this new added pressure, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you were young. I mean, everyone's young yes. in the WNBA. So you're young dealing with all of this. Uh, yes. Did you have, with all the transition and everything, let me ask you this. Was the WNBA equipped with, like, uh, what What I would say? So now the NFL has this person that's like a therapist to help with your emotional distress. Was there any any of that from the team will provide or – not nothing in that. Okay. Okay. No, yeah. we didn't. We didn't have anything like that. Maybe if you, um, you know, asked, but we right. that was some. I know some teams do have uh, team psychologists, um, mm -hmm. but not all WNBA teams do. Okay, so you you I, clearly you know when you was there, uh, what was it like playing against your former team in the finals? Like I know I just skipped a whole bunch, but I, I have to before <laughs> I forget. <laughs> <laughs> what was that moment like? Because yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you speak for that. <laughs> no, it was it was great. I mean, honestly, of course, I wanted to win. Like, of course, we wanted to mm -hmm. beat them. Um, my role right. was different on that championship team. I came off the bench, things like that. But mm -hmm. I have, I felt like I kind of have found my place with the team. Like, I it it felt like I felt good in Seattle. Um, at that yeah. point, but I definitely wanted to beat DC. Like that's yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. That's that's that yeah, your so competitive sad. juices, right? <laughs> so, so how long how long did that transition take for you to get comfortable? Now that you speak on it in Seattle, 
because you said the first year was rough, but when did things start to like settle down for you? Like, okay, this is my role. I kind of have a good feel. I can, you know, I could deal with the 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 big personalities and all that. What, how, how did that uh, look for you? Well, we didn't have we didn't have the stronger personalities after that first year. We and I'm not saying that to any like our team was just yeah, yeah, it was different. Like right. so our team changed a lot. Um we were in a rebuild after that. Um mm-hmm. so what was it? 2015 we're rebuilding. 2016 it's still like eh. and then 2017 I was just kind of like I I, I guess I stopped being worried about like what the coach thought. What I was just kind of mm-hmm. like Chris just play your game like what are you doing just just go out there and play. Stop being worried about um, those things. Mm-hmm. So I feel like 2017, I felt good, and then 2018, it was still, and I'm not. It was still an adjustment. Don't get me wrong, because like I played well 2017. I was starting playing well. Mm-hmm. 2018, we honestly we just had a post player who fit better in the system than I did. Like mm-hmm. it's what it is. Like Got I feel it. like I'm a pretty realistic person, and it was hard. Mm-hmm. Like to the bench and and things change yeah. but like you know yeah. for a championship team you know the bench matters too so i kind of no just doubt. my mindset changed a lot um and it, mm-hmm. it made me a this sounds corny but it really made me a better person because it's, no, it's and you're like you're the man you know you you mm-hmm. play all this when you're on the bench you have a totally different view of you know the way things are how people right. are affected throughout the game like you're you just pay attention to a lot more. Um, yeah, yeah, so, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so like 17, 18, I was like, okay, this, I I feel good. And even though I wasn't starting, like I still felt a part of the team. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, no doubt. Wasn't, no wasn't, doubt. You contribute. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, if you if you were going to be on, on my bench, that's one hell of a starting five in front of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so. I, I – and I, I have to apologize because I skipped over. I just looked at some of my notes. I skipped over the fact that we didn't talk about that all-star. I want to go back for one second. Your two mm-hmm. all-star appearances, 2011, 2013. What was what was the difference between those two years, you know, and your game? Because I know you, you had talked about, you know, going overseas the first year. You started having confidence. And first of all, you started attempting the shots. And then the confidence comes in. And 2011, 2013, you make the All-Star. What was that like for you as a player, for all the things you had dealt with? You know, you're in your home city, or not home city, but you're playing for your your neighboring um, WNBA team. Like, what was that like for you? I got to talk about that. I, I, I realized I skipped over. I'm like, no, we got to talk about it. Yeah, no, no, no. It was uh, it meant a lot because, um, like I said, I didn't even know if I was going to make it in the league. And just uh, the system that I was putting in D.C. for me to be so successful, um, you know, for me to be recognized. And I was recognized by, like, the coaches. Like, I was – I'm not one of the, the the popular players. Or, I mean, they are the best players, some of them, that make that star in five. I was voted by the coaches, um, which means a lot, too, you know. So, it's like mm-hmm. uh, people across the league respected me as a player. Um, right. And it just meant a lot. I mean, our league – I always tell people – and this is no disrespect to NBA, NFL, but th- this is just numbers. Like, our league is the most difficult league to make. Like, we only have 140 spots. No like, right, right it's now, only 12 teams, right? Yes. So, like, you know, to be an all-star, um, yeah, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. That's dope. So, you get a trophy. What kind of trophy do you get for that? For that? I got a plaque. I got a plaque. It's got like a, plaque. a, That's yeah, dope, we do like glass plaques, and That's I got dope. my – 
yeah no it was um it was a it was definitely a cool experience yeah that's dope for you make the pro bowl in the league you get uh just small things like a watch and little things but not like a plaque something you can mm-hmm. hang like oh oh you know what i get the helmet i got the helmet that's all i got oh, that's nice yeah and that, a, you know a watch is nice too like <laughs> but it's a it's one of those watches you never wears like it's no, oh, okay. it'll it'll stay tucked away so uh, I'm glad I touched on that. So back to Seattle. So now you've definitely found your groove. You and, and it's it's interesting you bring up your perspective from a player standpoint. When and I want to highlight this. It's very difficult, and I give you a lot of credit when you've been the person, the reason, and on a team, and now you're taking a different role coming off a bench and watching your team have a success and dealing with man, I can still play this game at a high clip. And knowing that you're sacrificing for the team, like I know you glossed over it, but that takes an – I don't know if I could have done that. That was one of the reasons when I decided to retire, I didn't know if I could deal with. And I knew myself, like, man, can I I deal with not being the starter and doing blah, 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 blah. I made the decision for myself. I'm like, I don't know if I can deal with it and not for for – Obviously, a lot of other external factors played a part in it, but during that time, was that a decision that you made alone, or did you have other people to confide? Like, hey, listen, this is a really good team. If I'm going to take a back seat and take a different role and different approach and different perspective, then this is the team to do it for. I would say I took it alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah people, tough. you can go somewhere and play. You can, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm just right. like, to me, and I, I say this, like, even after we won in 2018 and I was a free agent and I could have went, like, other places, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, we have a great team in Seattle. Like, yeah. I'm coming towards the end of my career. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is a good situation. Come off the bench and contribute. Because I could go to another team and possibly start, maybe come off the bench. But, like, the team, right. who knows what I'm getting into? Like, the team might be right. terrible, like – it might right. be drama. Like, I'm just like, this is a good situation. Um, you're still getting to play the game you love. Um, so I kind of went that route. I, I know a lot of people wouldn't, but I just felt like. Um, man, that's, that's a that's a testament to your character, man. That That is that is dope. That A lot of people can't do that, Crystal. I'm telling you. you. And, I'm, and I'll be the first one to admit. <laughs> I'm telling you, because sometimes you are like, I remember I went to speak to the Maryland girls a few years ago, and I'm like, you know, Brenda brought me and I'm like, college wasn't hard for me. Like I was always playing. Like it's right. it's the person who doesn't get in the game. Like that's when it's hard. Like, mm-hmm. and I felt like at that point I could speak to the team about things because I knew what everybody oh, yeah. felt. Like right. I know what, like, what it's like to be the man. And I know it's like what it's like to not even play. <laughs> right. I know what it's like, right. what it's like I'm even going to get in tonight, like things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it just definitely gives you – oh, this is what I was going to say. I was like, at 30, I was still mm-hmm. having a hard time with that sometimes. And, like, so mm-hmm. I'm, I know it's difficult when you're in college because I'm a grown yeah. woman. <laughs> right. You know? so, <laughs> right. It was challenging at times, but I really just tried to, I guess, be practical, try to take mm-hmm. my emotions out of it and mm-hmm. really, like – see what made sense. Um, right. Right. That just- that, that's, that's, that's a, that's a big thing that you did. Big thing. I want to be the one to highlight that. 
So along your journey, did you deal with any like big injuries or anything, any major setbacks? Yeah, so I was extremely fortunate. Um, I didn't have surgery until it was after the 2019 season. I had a meniscus tear that I didn't know about. So I had a, uh, yeah, a meniscus repair before the bubble, the 2020 season. So that was like my only surgery, which is kind of crazy. Um, so I yeah. had like little things like maybe my back, you know, ankle mm-hmm. stuff, but um, I stayed pretty healthy uh, throughout my whole career. Blessings. My goodness. I got scars everywhere. <laughs> but speaking of the uh, the bubble, now I've heard, I've read some things from other people that were dealt with their own bubble situations. Like what was that experience like <laughs> to not have fans in the middle of COVID? And I have mixed feelings about it, Chris. So I'm like, wait a minute. The rest of the world is don't know what's going on, but yet you're forcing you want to see like sports is not important right now. You know, I'm sure that was not an easy decision from uh, the collective bargaining agreement from your union and everyone else to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, we were having so many talks before this season, just like you know, are we going to have a season? What's what's it going to look like? And then, um, you know, I was actually on the, I can't think of it. It's the, I'm one of the, I was one of the player representatives for our union. So I was on like a lot of calls and, you know, everything that was going on with the social injustice, we were like, we're going to play for something bigger than ourselves. We can have this platform, this space, we can play basketball and bring light to what's going on. So that was really um, the messaging that we had as a league of yeah. us playing this year, even though <laughs> the bubble, I look back, I'm like, that was crazy. So I spent some time uh, in Brayton at IMG Academy years ago, probably 12, 11, 10 years ago. And at the time, it was a pretty big campus. But there's nothing close to that campus other than, I mean, it's just, if you've never experienced the country, like it's literally planted in the middle of the country and it's not your metropolitan area. It's, uh, you know, where I grew up, I grew up maybe two hours north of Bradenton. And so I spent two years there just, you know, perfecting my craft. It's a great place, but to be in the bubble psychologically. So so what was the schedule like? You would wake up training table, practice, and then back in your dorms. Like, I'm sure you couldn't leave and you had to have these checkpoints and all. Like, what in the heck was all of that? Where do I start? I'm trying to see where I'm going to start. Like, it just sounds so exhausting when you think about it. It's like, oh. Yeah, we were there for oh, three months. So three, they... Oh. So they shortened the season. So um, I, I think we had, it was like 20 something games instead of 34. But, you know, we, we go down to Bradenton. You know, we can't, we can't leave. Um, the only can time. Can you bring we, family with you? Can you bring like a significant other with you? Or? You can bring a significant other. Um, some people brought their children. Yeah. It was, it was, 
it wasn't it was expensive to bring your significant other it because sounds like a logistics to, nightmare that's what it sounds yeah you like. had to pay for testing for your significant other which got really pricey because they had to be tested every day it wasn't yeah it was just um it was a, when I look back I'm like this situation was wild I didn't bring a significant other which was also difficult and it and a you know you're just there for three months um but you know, we couldn't leave the campus unless we went to our game. Um, that was the only time we would get on the bus and do that. Wow. But for the most part, they got us all. We all had, like, a lot of teams, we got bikes. So you were just kind of riding around campus. Or you could take the the little shuttles. But, like, I was like, it's just better yeah. for um, us to have bikes. Um, it was just, that, you were that's... just there. Like, you couldn't get growth. Like, things like, you know, even during the pandemic, you could still go to the supermarket. We had the Instacart right. if you wanted to get groceries. Oh, um, wow. I was actually fortunate in the bubble compared to a lot of other people. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because I was actually one of the older people in the league. So you had the option to live in a hotel for three mm. months where you didn't have a kitchen or anything. And you're just eating at like the training table, essentially. Right. Or you could have um, like an apartment. But there were only four one bedroom apartments like studios. Mm -hmm. so those went yep. to the oldest people in the league. Luckily, Sue Bird and Diana decided to stay at the hotel. So I got to <laughs> myself. Oh, good which for I'm, you. Thank God. Yes. Thank <laughs> yes, God. And, and some of the other older people in the league, they had children. So they got two bedrooms to themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember I had teammates staying in like a four bedroom apartment with teammates, which I'm like, that's a yeah. lot. Like we yeah, you live by yourself. That's a lot. And some of them yeah. had to share, like I think two of the people possibly had to share a bathroom. And I'm like, Yeah, to do something like that for three months. Yeah, yeah. that's a huge sacrifice. That's a huge sacrifice. It's like you're you're in college dorms all over again, but exactly. you're a professional athlete and you've worked hard enough to have your own space. And I'm pretty sure that probably caused some tension between teammates yes. and just yes. everyone involved <laughs> because you get tired of seeing the same people exactly. every single day. Like, I love my teammates, but I don't want to be housed with you. I don't want to see you every second of the day. Oh, my <laughs> exactly. gosh. So that uh, was just kind of a, you know, you couldn't get away. And it was so I lived on the I lived on the other side near the practice facility. And then there was the hotel where there were a lot of the villas. And then, like, even, like, the referees, the coaches, they all – so you would see, like, coaches, referees from different teams. It was just a lot if wow. you didn't want to see people all the time. Like Right, right. Um, and it, it sounds seeing, like – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, imagine seeing, like, a referee. Like, you don't want to see the referee all the time. You don't want to see, like, a head <laughs> – like, your head coach. Like, it's just – Right, right. And it, was, and it just – it seems like you, you guys only had time for football or football, Jesus Christ, basketball, and no other time if you were into anything else to do it. Man, that yeah, that sounds I, like the a very difficult know. decision or uh, uh, yeah. situation to deal with. I will say we were lucky in Seattle because I I know it was like another team, a WNBA team, who they kind of abused the fact that they were in the bubble. They were constantly having practices, constantly having having them watch. Oh, movies. my God. You know, imagine if your coach has full access to you, you know, and it's just kind of like, oh, right. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So, like, I remember a team, they were, like, running getting off days that much. They were always doing stuff. And I'm like, but luckily with Seattle, I will say this, like, 
I mean, obviously we were good because we won that year too, but we had, <laughs> it was a pool at the hotel and that was like the spot to kick it. Because that's <laughs> right, right. I would say we were always at the pool. Like our team, I remember Connecticut's yeah. team was always there, but um, yeah. I mean, it was just, it wasn't that much for us to do. Um, yeah, it was, it was a grind. It was yes. a grind. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll never want to repeat that, that situation ever again. But let me. What what are some some of the good things that came out of it? Were were you able to like, because I know when you play in a play a professional sport, everyone's on different you know uh, times or what have you. But were you able to to have some friendships on you know opposing teams that you normally wouldn't have because you're spending so much time together? Actually, no, I didn't. Get any <laughs> I just hung out with the people I knew and just. I might say hey to other people. But- Right. Yeah, to. it wasn't a lot of. Oh my god, that sounds that sounds a lot, um, and I, re- I re- respect it though. Oh my goodness, I will say because we were in a bubble, we were able to collaborate with other teams on social justice issues. So yes. like we were able to meet about things like that, like uh, you know Brianna Taylor with her family, uh, like mm-hmm. Sage, all those things. We were able to collapse so easily because it was just like we're all there, right. Um, so the right. bubble made it um, easier than it would have been if we weren't together. I would what, say was that. It, was probably... Okay. What was it uh, during those talks? I'm sure that wasn't a, a difficult. That was that was a difficult situation to kind of navigate through in in terms of you know figuring out what the players wanted to do to promote and bring awareness to Breonna Taylor and unarmed Black and Brown people, and then you know and to just deal with the league. To say, okay, this is what we want to do. Like, I'm sure that wasn't was there without. You don't have to name names, but were there a handful of of uh, players that kind of spearheaded and kind of led the talks in that regard? Yeah, we have our um, our representative. It's I can't think of the name, but it's our. We have like five or six like players. Executive that board or something like that. Yeah, the executive board. Yeah. yeah, but the thing with our league is um, another thing. It's it's led by the players. And I feel like the WNBA follows suit, which has been great. So, like, since our league is is mostly black women, Mm -hmm. um, a large amount of our players identify as LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus. We're talking about, like, the most marginalized Mm -hmm. society. So we have this voice that we're going to push. And the league follows suit. They're like, this is who we are. I I really feel like the league understands um, who we are and what we believe. And they're like, we're going to buy into this model compared to other leagues where they're like, ah, I don't know if I want to take that route. Like we're, we're going to be progressive. We're, this is who we are. Um, so the, the way the bubble went, um, mm-hmm. I would say that was the best part um, that came out of it. Um, just the, the work we were That's able great. to That's great. So, so that, that leads me to this next point because of that. Uh, and now that you guys won the championship in the bubble, am I making that up? Yes. Yes. No, you guys won the, yes. You guys won the championship. And so at that moment, did you know you were going to retire? That was pretty much it for you going into. The- <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I'm not really playing. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not really sure what's going on. And then, yeah, I spoke to our team and it was just kind of like, yeah, it's uh, time to wrap it up. And I'm like, yeah, because what was I going to be doing? Next? <laughs> um, what, was it, <laughs> was it, was it difficult? Was it difficult to make the decision? I mean, obviously you weren't, you say you, 
you weren't as happy with your situation, but you know, it's easier once you say, okay, I'm done. Was there any reservations? Like, you know what? Mm, I think I could still come back. Did you ever teeter around with that, that decision? I, that was one thing I was like, should I still play? Should I maybe, you know, try to go somewhere else where I can play a little bit more. And I'm just like, Crystal, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Wrap it up. Um, and so even with that, you know, when I spoke to our team, and that's kind of how it took me into my next role. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, you know, they wanted me to join the front office. And yeah. um, and so I'm just kind of like, this is that's this it. Is yeah, <laughs> That's great. So clearly, right. So clearly you made a great impression on them as a as a leader on that team and and being there a part of two championships and being in a bubble and walking into a situation where you have to quote unquote replace a hall of famer and dealing with all these different things and i we didn't mention brianna stewart ended up getting injured and i'm sure that probably fell more on your plate you know just a lot of different things that that goes into uh your experience there so talk about your new role for me for my knowledge it's um your director of community engagement. Is that, yes. is that, I'll let you explain it in your own words. What's your new role? Yeah. So I'm director of community engagement for our social justice platform, Force for Change. So I'll kind of go into how I got into this role. It was kind of like the bubble season. So, like I said, it was so much going on uh, with social injustice. And so our team, we were having a lot of talks with our front office, like just Seattle. We were meeting with our owners just our front office about what was going on. And I was essentially kind of, I was talking a lot (laughs) on those calls. Yeah, clearly, clearly. I was was probably like the the biggest voice on our team um, when it came to these issues. Um, So, and and the thing was like, I, for a few years, I was just trying to get a better understanding of why society was the way it was. So I was reading a lot of books on race relations, um, yep. just kind of educating myself as a black woman, just, you know, yep. figuring things out. I so when the bubble reading during the pandemic. Yeah. So I was just like really educated on the issue. <laughs> so like, <laughs> right, right. So like, you know, when it was time to re- time for me to retire, the front office said, Hey, you know, we think you'd be perfect for this role. You've helped us <laughs> yeah. for change. Um, Cause wow. that was the year we built it out to that. The bubble season was like, um, Oh, wow. We created it. So we're like, we need to do something more. And like we, the players, uh, we kind of gave them steps of how we wanted this platform to go. So they're like, you know, you already helped us build it out. We want you to continue. Um, that's great. That working. Is great. I know it's just, yeah. So, so you, that's you, how you, you, you clearly did a lot of talking. You were like, listen, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that's great, man. That a team carved out a role for you that you had, you were very instrumental clearly during the bubble when, you know, all the things you laid out, how difficult it was to be there. And somehow you had enough energy, which I would imagine, you know, defending, you know, and, and doing something that you enjoyed and passionate about doing is, is speaking out and getting involved in the community and touching on subjects that affect people that look like you and I. So mm-hmm. respect to that. Respect mm-hmm. to you on that, man. I Like there's so much. I, I'm so glad um, we, we were able to bring that up. I guess. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about that I didn't bring up that we should. Hmm. Nothing jumps out at you. I Nothing just always I like to ask. I feel like you talked them out. I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. What, so along your uh, 
WNBA career. I hope I'm not making this up. Were you in the, obviously, you know, for, <laughs> for you to play a grueling professional season, both domestically and internationally, did you ever find time? Did you ever figure out like the other things outside of basketball that you were into? Because I hear interior design was in your in your world. Or am I making that? <laughs> no, you're not making it up. So, um, yeah, I'm big on interior design. It was actually supposed to be my plan when I retired. Ah. So um, I was taking classes at. Uh, so I retired, and when I, I, they offered me this position um, with the team, and I'm like, well, I plan on going to school, and they're like, you can do both. Like we can make you know, both work. And so right. I was taking class, classes at Marymount for interior architecture. Okay. And so I was doing both. Um, and then it was just like, it was overwhelming because it was two totally different areas that I was trying to focus on where my mind was mm -hmm. just all over the place. And I said, like, I like this too, the work that I'm doing uh, with the storm. So I'm just going right. to focus on it. So I, I stopped taking my classes. <laughs> so All good. But, yeah. All good. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it is because I, I love what I'm doing now. So, um, and I could always go back and take my classes. Oh, absolutely. So, um, what's the picture behind you? It, it looks very interesting. I'm in the. I'm. I'm trying to slowly get into art, and yeah. I love that piece behind you right now. Thank you. It's just. Um, I like abstract art. Um, yeah. I just got this piece from a store. People always ask me on my Zooms. They're like, "Where's that oh, art from?" I, I need. It's to a dope piece. Thank you. I need to come up with a better story because I'm like, I just got it from a store. I need to find it when I was in Russia. When you like, <laughs> right? Hey, listen, if you whatever story you come up with, people will believe it. They'll believe I it. Know. I know. No, that's that's great, Crystal. I, I really do appreciate this, man. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. I, I think we covered a lot of it. I appreciate you finding the time. I know we had something scheduled beforehand, and and I, I really do appreciate it. And hopefully, uh. I have you on again soon and we can chat it up again. But uh, again, thank you for your time and your perspective and much success to you moving forward. Much success to the Seattle storm and all the things that you, uh, you decided to get into. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Dequel. It was a good time talking to you today. All right.